Hello, I'm Kane Winstead. Hello, Internet. This is Matthew Derrigan. And you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, a podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. Today, we are starting, we are we are kicking off, or cutting off, stabbing off, uh, I, I don't know if there's a more, a more violent way to say this, our carnage block to hopefully coincide with this whole carnage thing that's happening with half the Marvel titles, it seems. Right. So in spirit of that, hey, Kane, you know what decade we love around here? Oh, God, we're going to be reading a bunch of 90s stories, aren't we? Because that's when carnage was cool. <laughs> oh, all right. Um. So what 90s story are we reading today? The 90s story we're reading today take place across all four of the major Spider-Man titles of the era. We are delving into the web of carch. Mm. Oh boy. Because we also love web ofs around here, Kane. This is just <laughs> right up our alley. I mean, I do like that web of title, so who knows? Maybe I'll like this jaunt through all these spider titles. So we're covering Sensational Spider-Man number three, Amazing Spider-Man number 410, and then you jump over to Spider-Man number 67, and then we wrap it all up in a spectacular Spider-Man 233. It's gonna be a blast, Kane. <laughs> so it might sound like it's difficult to track down this comic, but rest assured, you can buy all of these issues for $2 a pop on Comixology. And if you want some more bang for your buck, this story in its entirety is collected in the Ultimate Ben Riley Omnibus Collection Volume 3, which is a little pricier than $2, but if you're really into this whole clone saga which i know a lot of our readers like this era um it's it's a solid buy it's in the third book of ben the holy scripture (laughs) (sighs) speaking of holies carnage puts a lot of holes in people there we go wow actually actually you you know he doesn't seem super violent in this comic i mean i i know that sounds weird because almost every page is filled with like kill and like rip them to shreds or whatever but when carnage does let loose on someone it's uh they always seem like fine like like not not to jump ahead but like when ben finds that guy in the alley he's just like roughed up a little bit yeah, we should get to that. I-, I wanted to point out this was in a different time for Marvel compared to where we're at now. And this comic, like all the comics that we're talking about today, were approved by the Comics Code. Good point. I I know that seems like an odd thing to note because they all were up until the day they weren't. But this story in particular reminded me of certain vibes of like comics right after the code was put into place where there's kind of these monstrous things, but they could only go so far and they had to show them being dealt with and no one really got that badly hurt it was more like the implication of the threat than any actual threat in the moment so you are spot on so let's dive into our first issue here sensational number three on the cover we were promised to learn about the secret of a skeleton is that enticing for you kane are you mystified i mean i'm always about secret skeletons um i mean going back to sensational spider-man and looking at the art and kind of comparing it to these other issues it's it's very apparent that they were trying very hard to get this title to work um you know it's it's klaus johnson on the uh our 
Jansen, I'm sorry, on, on the... No, 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 I'm sorry. It's Jurgens on pencils and, and Jansen on inks. Yep, we're, we're in the Jurgens era. And right. this is also, you know, you start off, you get that nice reminder of that lovely Spider-Girl suit right there, front and center. Um, <laughs> Before it was the Spider-Girl suit. Not in my head. <laughs> and we're, we're starting in the res with Spider-Man talking about being the deer in the headlights, which is something you never thought he'd be, which is funny to me, caught unawares number of times throughout the year through the year years even and well depending on how you look at the rubber band theory of time and he's got a bag on his back which is implied to have a skeleton he's uh booking it because they're mad at him because he stole a corpse from the morgue which is a pretty morbid way to just jump into where we're at like this is still a relatively new spider-man we're still getting our footing with ben in some ways and they're just like yeah he's stealing corpses that's that's who this guy is <laughs> well, I mean, you also have to remember the era. We're all about the, the extremes in the 90s. Uh, you can tell by Giant Man's head frame that everyone in the 90s wore. I, I know what you mean. We were about being extreme in the 90s. I know sitting at home reading comics, I felt super extreme. But <laughs> I don't know if stealing corpses from the morgue shouts uh, <laughs> Tony Hawk to me. The radical! <laughs> Cowabunga! Uh, anyway. Now you're tripping on turtles territory, my friend. Exactly. Sewer surfing. Um, so we also get a nice reminder that uh, John Jameson, Jameson's son, is working at Ravencroft and is okay by Spider-Man as he's leering out the window shouting, no, it's computer automated because this is the 90s. <laughs> Spider-Man. Right. So Spider-Man is attempting to escape uh, Ravencroft uh, because he was trying to scope out Carnage. He trips some security measures and only escapes because Peter shows up in a nice car, which another rare instance of Peter Parker driving. Right. And um, I, I just wanted to note between the green lasers at Ravencroft and the fact that we're dealing with the skeleton, we get this like eerie looking skeleton on the front. I just had a peer back, uh, technically forward, to uh, Shatterack, this volume two villain, you know, also from around this era. And I don't know, it's just funny how that stuff comes through. And maybe there's more skeleton in Peter's claws than we want to admit, literally. <laughs> well, speaking of callbacks, uh, <laughs> Peter shows up with the radio scanner. Uh, perhaps the same one we saw him purchase in that uh, Terminator Santa cover issue that we we covered, the Peter David story. Right. I. It, it's funny, you know, Pete's showing up as kind of like the guy in the chair kind of role here. Mm -hmm. um, but, and then the rest of this issue, we kind of, we are continuing to establish Ben Riley's character, his relationship with his girlfriend slash friend Jessica. Um, we get a story uh, about her dad being drumroll the burglar who shot Uncle Ben. But they don't what remind us of his name here, which I felt like, you know, this is the time. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Does he have a name? Or, or like, or, I always thought it was just the burglar. Uh, that's what she called him. Right. That's what she said. <laughs> I, in my head, I keep, oh yeah, like, in my head, I keep trying to say his name's Joe Chill, but no, that's Batman. Um, Maybe it's the same one. Oh, he, he's like <laughs> jumping through the multiverse, kicks starting everyone's like uh origin stories like that sounds like a grant morrison thing um <laughs> um hold on i'm uh i'm i'm trying to look it up quick <laughs> uh well it wasn't elliot ness or al capone 
hardening. Yeah, they don't say. Yeah. So. Sorry about that. I swore. That's okay. Yeah. So he remains unnamed. Right. And then, so most of this issue is dealing not with carnage, but one, the mystery of Jessica's dad's uh, identity uh, and the identity of the skeleton, which I guess plays more into the greater arc of the clone saga than this particular arc of the web of carnage, which makes this issue feel a little bit like spinning the wheels, reading it, knowing that carnage is supposed to show up. And then we see maybe one or two panels of Cletus Cassidy. Um, We do, um, but we're building to a lot of other stuff here that I don't know, goes a different way, but we also get callbacks to stuff like the final adventure cane, learning about how Peter lost his powers. And we're still reeling from that media blizzard story. Our entire Mm. podcast been leading up to this story. And I don't know how to feel about that. Um... But the last thing I really want to talk about this particular issue, and I've already start, I already mentioned it a little bit ago, but Giant Man's costume <laughs> is so 90s. Like, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and he, he already has, like, the weird head guard, like, the gambit thing, where he's got, like, a face cut out of, like, a mask, his hair is coming out, but he's got, like, a band over the forehead. He's got a belt lined with pouches, and he's wearing a sleeveless top, but there are also pouches all around the edge of the uh, the edge of the where the sleeve would be. What purpose does a pouch in your armpit serve? Deodorant. <laughs> Like, look, judging from this picture, like, the, the pouches go all the way around. So, like, how do you access the pouch, like, on the back side of your shoulder? Like, what, what purpose does that serve? I, okay. I realize, like, poking fun at all the pouches from 90s costumes is, like, super passe. But sometimes you just really got to look at this and think, who signed off on all these pouches? I will fight. Anyways, um, I'm just saying, some stylistic choices were made in the 90s, not just... Not just in these comics, not just Marvel comics, not just DC comics, also in Image comics, also across the world. People were doing things. They wanted to stand out. Things had to be extreme, Kane. They had to be extreme. Did you have an extreme number of pouches? If I you... mean, I had, I had a fanny pack. Does that count? For you, that's an extreme number. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, I was like six. Yeah, what you so, need that pouch for? What you need it for? I think I put my Game Boy in it. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so, moving on to Amazing whoa, Spider-Man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Hold no. on. I had a few notes here. The, in this comic, uh, MJ's rendered to look like my grandmother, which really threw me <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I forgot to mention that. She looks very matronly. Um, I, I guess it's to sell the point that, like, they're no longer hip and young. I, I, I don't know. Right. There's, there's also a particular line in here that Ben narrates to himself in the caption about it felt like the old days, Pete. You know, you're not supposed to say that. I know we're supposed to be making connections be like, this is like the old times of Spider-Man. But again, but when you're a 30-year-old barista or whatever, it's not the same as having the pickup job while you're in high school. Like, it's a different thing Mm. at this point. Even if you're doing the same thing, life changes and it takes on a different tone. I just, um, also, I don't know, this whole mystery 
mystery of was this the clone from the smokestack? I know we're looking at in retrospect, but did this do anything for you? It just felt like, Riggin, you're gonna complicate this clone thing even more. Well, that, that's kind of why I wanted to jump into Amazing Spider-Man 410, because the intro page for this, where like they, they do the quick recap on the, the, the credits page, is possibly the most 90s Spider-Man page we could ever have. I took a photo of it and sent it to one of my friends, or actually into one of our group chats, and said, look at this 90s story Matt has us talking about. <laughs> and so this one, it starts out by saying, my life is fraying around me faster than a motorcycle jacket splashed with battery mm-hmm. acid. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we already got that too. <laughs> we already got that. You know, here's the cool thing too. Ben knows that. He knows that it, feel. It's it's true. And I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and read this because it's like the most concentrated and atta- like succinct description of the clone saga and it just sounds crazy when you break it down like this so this is Ben narration, and he's thinking, though I'm really Peter Parker, I've been going by the name Ben Riley for the past five years. Meanwhile, he was the real, er, meanwhile, thinking he was the real me, the man in my arms, being Peter Parker, uh, using my name and living my life through all this time. Only recently did he find out that he was actually my clone. Five years ago, Pete and I fought, and he apparently left me for dead in a Brooklyn smokestack. At least that's what we believed until a few hours ago when we visited the Avengers temporary base on Long Island, see Sensational Spider-Man number three for details, and learned that the skeleton in the body bag was the one found in the same smokestack is probably my original clone. You know, everyday problems people can relate to. The Marvel Universe is the world right outside your window. I... (laughs) And now, Spider Carnage. Okay, so I have a few notes. First of all, when we were dealing with the Avengers thing initially, Giant Man has this whole exposition about how the Avengers Mansion blew up and they have to deal with the da da da. Like it's something that needs to be explained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Avengers Mansion's blown up. Just, you know, it's that time of the year. We get it. I was about to say, like it always is. <laughs> right. And then also, here's a no prize that I'd like to put to uh, Dan Gavazin. How does Ben Riley have Jarvis's number so that they can call to try to attend the Avengers Mansion at this well, point? I thought Peter called. No, no, no. Ben says he'll call. Oh. Just, I don't know. Uh, he's in those New Warrior contacts. I don't think he's in the New Warriors yet. Yeah, I think you're right. I- I'm just pressing on it because it felt particularly weird to me. Also, this little narration you just read is juxtaposed against our Ben Spider-Man holding Peter in the pose roughly of that ruffian, that scoundrel that he's holding on the cover of Amazing Fantasy 15, whilst Peter is holding the skeleton in a body bag with him, which is symbolic, Kate, you see, because this Spider-Man has to carry twice the weight of the Spider-Man that we've grown accustomed to. It's a visual metaphor of us moving forward and how much has happened and how much more we have to to deal with now that we're in this new era it's it's a work art well kudos to mark bagley for that (laughs) it's that life story art that we all know and love at this point (laughs) all right um (laughs) moving forward we we 
we get to more setup, kind of more Ben Riley uh, establishment. We do see Carnage Ooh. wreaking havoc yeah. at a, in a guy at a, in a parking garage. Well, this is the first time we really see Carnage, you know, the suit. Mm-hmm. And we also have this weird moment where uh, Ben poses with the skeleton so Pete can get a shot of it so that Pete can get a payday. So they're framing and forging the news. <laughs> I mean... This is important later. I just wanted to make a note of it now, because it's super kind of weird. I mean, it's not like there's any Spider-Man characters that have like a history of, you know, making a false report for the to the news, even though they didn't know it was a false report and, you know, having their life crash around them because of it. Yeah, well, so it goes. Uh, yeah. So what kind of killed me is once we get to this carnage bit here, we also have this moment of Cletus Cassidy is still there and he's washing his hands methodically because he's a serial killer. Uh, he's just washing his hands. Man! <laughs> and so what we're getting here is kind of the story of who is the mystery carnage man. Uh, I don't know. That, to me, that was kind of like, all right, let's see where this goes. But I don't I don't really care about who's in the suit as much as it being stopped still, because it's carnage and that implied threat of just death well, abound. For me, it's this story promises spider carnage. <laughs> and so I don't really care who's in that suit now, because I at least I am expecting at some point for it to become spider carnage. And that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to see how that gets resolved. Because like, like who's gonna stop car like spider carnage? Um, if Peter doesn't have his powers. The Micronauts. Uh, mm-hmm. So. NFL Super Pro. <laughs> there we go. Speedball. NFL Super Pro. Do you know how many superheroes <laughs> are in Manhattan and Marvel in the 90s? I He's going to trip yeah, but a this few is, of them. But this is the Spider-Man title. So you can't have the team up. You know, the, the team up guy beat Spider-Man as the spider card. Like, anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, Night Thrasher could get it done. <laughs> talk about extreme with his super skateboard. Um, Rocket Racer? I thought Night Thrasher was the one with the skateboard. No, no, just because he has Thrasher in the title. No, he's just a guy with some sticks who uh, hated crime. Maybe some super juice. Forget. <laughs> All right, well, Someone's I'm Someone's going to call my... us on that one. We should get called out for that one, Mike. Yeah, I'm getting my new warriors confused then. <laughs> he was a new warrior, right? He was. It's okay, though. Um, it's been a minute since the new warriors were on the block. They're the old <laughs> kids on the block at this point. Yeah, no, they're the old warriors. <laughs> Wow. So we get this whole weird setup of one of the guys who's taking care of Cassie and the other criminals at Raven, the revolving Doorcroft Institute, modeled after Arkham. Great place to keep super... Uh, is stealing memorabilia and selling it in this black market slash nightclub place? Devoted to supervillains. Yeah. Um, Which is actually a fun page that's got all these supervillains because it's basically a bunch of cosplayers. Yeah. Um, um, you've got a Doom, you've got a Baron Zemo, you got a Loki. There appears to be a, a, a Grim Reaper uh, in the background. And correct me if I'm wrong, there are also some posters uh, up on like the walls. Yeah. Is that Two-Face? That's a Two-Face. I was going to say, like, is there a Marvel character that just looks like Two-Face that I'm not put, putting together? Or did they did, did Bagley just decide he's just going to throw Two-Face in? 
<laughs> I'm guessing this is one of those background references they did for fun, but who knows, maybe one of the Punisher villains had half of his face burned off when the Punisher threw acid at his face or something. I mean, Marvel actually, it could be deep, Jigsaw. But I don't know everyone, <laughs> as demonstrated by our Night Thrasher confusion a moment ago. I also want to note, like, I get that these people are into villains, but like having hate monger as one of the villains up there to me feels like that's a different level to me. Like that's that's yeah, that's, that's maybe just not a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, people like Nick Spencer. So what do I know? Um, hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, and then we have Carnage bust in and then people get a little uppity, you know. It turns out once an actual supervillain shows up, people people scatter. Yeah. And uh, Ben makes a note about that. And mm. we get a we get a tumble. We get a quadoom out of a monolith that Spider-Man cracks Carnage into. Yeah. Except- solid work by Richard Starkings uh, and Comicraft with the lettering. Um, but yeah, yeah, so we, we get a short little tussle, and then we kind of find out that the Carnage symbiote was temporarily taking hold of uh, J- Jameson. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then that, that mystery solved, and then finally in the last few pages of this comic, we get the Spider Carnage. And this is where the comic actually started to get interesting for me, because the story started moving forward instead of establishing Establishing Ben, establishing what was going on with the clone saga, reestablishing what was happening in the other stories. There's just so much fluff in these first two issues. And I understand why there's fluff, but it's still kind of, I think, indicative of an issue with this era of comics is that there's so much going on and they're still sticking to that every issue is someone's first edict. So they have to take up so much real estate, reestablish all the story beats and then also trying to carry this giant overarching narrative plus the actual story arc for this small section of that giant overarc it's just oh gosh there's so much going on but finally we have we have reached spider carnage right but we did you did glance over one thing that's not just big for part of the story but big for this moment in spider-man history which is uh jessica is angling for Pete's gig at the Bugle being the Spider-Man photographer, but she too, like Jameson, doesn't like Spider-Man. So we have a vindictive photographer trying to angle in on the action, which is an interesting wrinkle, but with her being Ben's love interest, it gets a little it's a little too much stacked on to a point where I'm like, they've been on one date, and in that one date, she freaked him out and for a good reason, but they're still (laughs) kind of, I'm like uh, to me it doesn't ring in a way that works like it's clearly they're forcing this drama in in a way that's inorganic because this woman has done nothing to earn Ben's affection I'm not saying the date wasn't warranted but if you have one date and you find out the lady has a crazy shrine that's some cult level stuff and maybe you should call it off maybe you're waiting for the third date we've all been there but (laughs) you're not that attached yeah well maybe she just had an ass that wouldn't quit um If she does, she's covering it up, so... I don't know. Well, in that 90s trench coat. Um, no pouches, anyway. <laughs> anyway, so we we, sw- we we jump over to Spider-Man 67. And the first page we got we, is a great JRJRJR. JR, JR. Wait, one too many JRs. 
uh, rendition of Spider Carnage. A little less tenderly than maybe how Bagley draws them, but I actually really like this picture. Um, the the kind of art is all over the place with these three issues, because uh, or four issues rather, because each each title has a very uh, the artist has a very distinct style to themselves. Uh, we have Jurgens in the first one. Uh, Who's ASM? I've already forgotten. <laughs> uh, Bagley on ASM. Uh, JRJR on this one, and then we've got Salby Sema on and coming up in uh, Spectacular. Before we, we like, it, was there any, did you feel any whiplash uh, going from all the artists? Because I, I felt a little bit of whiplash here, and I understand this was kind of the era where we're, we were getting far away from the house style, but I feel like a house style would have benefited this story a little bit. I, I know what you mean. It would have allowed for some consistency, but for me, the story was more fun having the different art styles because we have this like spider carnage across a number of them and we see slightly different takes on it which is more fun um seeing these different artists pair off like jrjr unlike any other artist has this kind of blocky style that really works and i always love seeing it so if the house style came at the expense of that i wouldn't have been such a fan i i don't know i i'm okay with the variation here it's not like one of his artists is so much lesser than the others that i felt like oh could we have had NLs. It just felt like different. Right. There's there's no Greg Land here. They're all but they're all good <laughs> superhero artists too. Like I've definitely had those arcs with Spider-Man where you pull in some weird artists and like they're a good artists, but they don't superhero. And that's always a weird juxtaposition. So I know you're coming. But now that we finally got the, the Spider Carnage in the story, there there's actually some like tension. And there's actually a lot of tension in especially in this issue of Ben wrestling with the, the Carnage symbiote and trying to suppress the violent urges, uh, which kind of calls forward for the comic, but back for us to that uh, cosmic carnage story, which is very similar to this, uh, where the Silver Surfer is trying his best to suppress the uh, the carnage symbiote's violent tendencies. But unlike that story, where it's taking place almost entirely within the Silver Surfer's consciousness, this is Ben Riley running through New York, running through all of his personal connections with this obsessive constant uh, narration about you know like ripping people up and like you know eviscerating and just, just violence and it gets way it's it's over the top but in a way that's almost excusable just because it's it's carnage and it, it, it's the era it's in well and I mean this is this is what this story is kind of about is this idea of Ben struggling with the carnage suit and trying to keep it pained and then trying to just deal with it and how he's going about it and how it's different. And what's interesting here is, yeah, Ben gets the Carnage symbiote, though he's had a symbiote on him before. He didn't even notice. This is a far cry. Um, in Planet of the Symbiotes, uh, his uh, 90s ripped off hoodie mm-hmm. uh, gets replaced by a symbiote and he doesn't know until it... <laughs> Uh, and, and here, you know, he's struggling with it the entire time. And it's kind of interesting because there's some play with the art here where like Ben's in the apartment in his Spider-Man outfit, but the mask is off and Pete comes in. But the Spider-Man outfit has these like red crackles all throughout it. It's very menacing, evil look, this dark black, dark red uh, crackling through along with a bunch of uh, 
differently done captions that have this very kind of gritty font saying stuff like kill him and kill kill more kill kill uh, right and, and it's pete doesn't notice doesn't notice that his fingers are becoming claws or whatever <laughs> uh, <laughs> well he doesn't have that spider sense anymore as seen in uh spider-man the final adventure number four right you know and the fact they keep referencing that in every issue of the story is kind of telling me where this is going to end up on our list <laughs> Uh, but can can we pull out from the story here for a second? Because I think this uh-huh. is an interesting comparison between Venom and Carnage, right? Did you did you get any thoughts about that while we were going through? Not really. So so extrapolate for me. So when Pete's dealing with the symbiote, it's usually the Venom symbiote, mm-hmm. and it's this idea of control, or like when he passes out, the it, it's more subversive. Like the control happens when Pete's asleep, or like slowly trying to steer him to do darker and darker things. But it's mm-hmm. this more malevolent thing that's slowly trying to get Peter somewhere but it's a process and it's not that far from where it's at already really especially at the time when Pete seemed more likely to kill than he did in a uh, post Dan slot Spider-Man never kills no matter what no matter the intention at any point forever forever killing's bad wrong uh, whereas Carnage slaps on Ben and it's just like kill no 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 you should kill him hey hey did you kill yet oh man you had your morning OJ but did you kill yet I <laughs> It's just right there. And it's also that play on like, you get the red plaque through, like it blends with him and is trying to take over. Whereas Venom was a different suit and almost a different thing and a darker personality that Pete still ended up going back to even when he got rid of the symbiote, which always kind of bothered me. (laughs) Yeah, you just got to dress for uh, success. And sometimes the success you aim for is breaking into a prison so that you can slap Kingpin around. Uh, (laughs) So, I don't know. It was just interesting to me how this plays out different. But, I mean, this issue, there's not a ton to talk about because the whole thing has been struggling to keep this thing in check and not killing Peter. Uh, Which, again, clearly he's not going to because there are more Spider-Man stories after this. I mean, not that dying in the comic book really... (laughs) Yeah, but not that dying in a comic book ever stopped anybody from coming back. But still, like, even even reading that, I was still kind of, you know, I was was in the story. I was like, oh man, like, how's how's Peter going to get out of this one? Um, You know, it's it's well done. Uh, uh, the, the the tension's definitely there. Well, it, so they do this beautiful play where early in the issue, Peter is just kind of looking out on the rooftop, and MJ's like, "You should come down. You you could fall." <laughs> and you know, it's it's kind of a little sweet moment. And then they imply that they get their jig on. And then later, while Pete's on the run, there's a rooftop, and he gets kind of swung off the rooftop and catches it in the nick of time. But they build up the tension to like, he's like, "I used to do this all the time, but let's see if I." I was lying to MJ and see if I catch myself. He's able to snag it and he's trying to pull himself up and Ben's looking at him all carnaged out and Ben pulls him up and then basically runs away like, if I stick around, I'm going to kill you. Wow. <laughs> you know, like you do. <laughs> it was, But it's this very tense idea where like Ben was not only able to keep it in check, but like ride over and pull it off. But it was such a strain on him that he has to, he has to run away from Pete lest kill him. He's the, the idea of his ability to keep this thing in check is diminishing as we go. And it's been the way the story moves. It's been like moments, you know, like mm-hmm. this, this is moving quick. And then we move into our final issue. Unless you had any notes about this beyond. All right. Nope. So then we move.
move on to a new art style, as you've been pointing out, in Spectacular 233, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a heck of an issue on them. Well, I, we, we open up with Ben trying to, uh, I guess, sublimate some of these, uh, these feelings that Carnage is welling up inside of him. He's like, maybe I can squash him down with this uh, weight of responsibility and tries to go like uh, patrolling and once again runs into one of those like Rainbow Coalition uh, uh, multi-ethnic roving street gangs uh, that you like to see in these Spider-Man comics (laughs) where you know every nationality and creed is represented. (laughs) Um, Violence brings us together, Kay. I mean, that's really the what, what this comic is, is telling us. But, um, you know, and he does it Carnage style. Uh, you know, he starts grabbing people's heads. He cuts someone's jacket. Someone gets sh-wonkerenched, uh, according to the lettering here. Uh <laughs> But Ben just happens to suppress the violence just enough, although the Carnage symbiote is like projecting this image of Ben killing all these people, including the ones who are getting mugged. Uh, And so even though we're getting that, yeah, Spider-Man saved the day, there's still so much tension and danger here, not from the, 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 you know, random hooligans, but from Spider-Carnage himself. And there's a great panel where the people who are getting mugged are still cowering in fear and Ben screams at them to go but instead of him screaming it's the the carnage symbiote leaping from his head leaving his face unmasked but right and like growing in a huge side screaming at them I said go uh it's it's a fun image and um you know Busema doing a great job of drawing people with like just terror their mouths agape um great art it's it's a different kind of panel and it is something else i agree with this is a bizarre scene but like we said earlier and there's flashes of him going full carnage and just like murdering everyone but basically people get a little cut up and go about their day yeah like i don't think anyone's even going to the hospital (laughs) yeah uh so it's interesting and that response Mm -hmm. and then we get back to ravencroft and spider carnage is leaping for cassidy and like cracking at the glass then ben kind of gets his gets it together i guess Mm. and ends up in a microwave room or was in a microwave room sorry the art backgrounds kind of go all over to a lot of white space so right so so model ben ben's trying to figure out how he can get this under control and so he decides to go back to ravencroft to get some answers from cassidy and that involves him kind of once again battling the symbiote and he finally gets under control and then voluntarily puts himself into a containment cell so that the carnage symbiote can never escape uh which spoilers it escapes what oh my gosh it it, yeah it escapes through the drainage system in the uh sink basin that cassidy has been washing his 
hands in, uh, revealing how the Carnage symbiote was able to escape Ravencroft and once again re uh, rebonding with Cassidy, who was dying because the symbiote was no longer part of him. But that's it. Like that's that's the end. You know, right. the Carnage symbiote is once again complete with Cassidy, but Cassidy's still in Ravencroft, so we really just net zeroed on this whole story. But Jameson and Ben have this little tete-a-tete at the end where they have that feeling and then they say, no, like, we're supposed to be so ahead of it, but we're struggling to keep our head above water and all this. And they address that. This is kind of a down ending. And try to, like, whip it into, like, but we're here and we're pulling ahead. We're doing what we can with what we got. Uh But, okay, so the biggest <laughs> plot hole I see here is that they don't address how they're going to stop this from happening oh, again. That's what I was going to say, too, is like, <laughs> that we've addressed this, the plumbing, then they say nothing about, like, doing anything about the plumbing. So, <laughs> now we know, and knowing half the battle. <laughs> there we go. Um, but, I did also want to say, when Ben freaking out, Cassidy's kind of uh, chortling him, which gets to another thing that I wonder is if that's different about the Carnage symbiote versus the Venom symbiote or any of the other multitude symbiotes now that we're in this age of revisiting all of them. <laughs> he talks about how the Carnage symbiote is like stripping away your ability and like creeping into your mind and trying to force it into you to be what it wants you to be and not you working with it. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is weird to me because Cassidy was a serial killer before the suit. So they were in simpatico or like also... The Carnage symbiote was warped by him was... I think that's what you're supposed to take away from it because the the symbiote is going off of the comic books. The original symbiote was fairly neutral. It didn't, like, yeah, it got a little, uh, what's the word, uh, over-enthusiastic about stopping crime, <laughs> but... You know, the, the increased rage and, and violence and everything, that, that's more of a retcon. Um, going back to the, the homecoming and, and those issues, all the symbiote did was basically, you know, it gave Peter a cool alien suit that could change shape and give him pockets. Um, the pocket thing was a really big deal for some reason. And it would take his body out on autopilot at night. Uh, then once, once he found that it was real, he got it removed and went about his day. Nothing really changed. Then we had Web of Spider-Man number one. It broke containment. And then Spider-Man went and did the whole church bell thing to remove it. Then we really don't see anything about it again. And then once we have Venom, we create this idea of like the suit, um, well, like being like a, a, a like a, a jealous. And I mean, at the end of Web of one, we do have like a scene of like the the suit kind of almost sacrificing itself so it could protect Peter who was in danger of dying from the church bell sound as well um and so I, what, what I'm, I'm going through all this to say is that the idea that these alien suits are inherently like violent and 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 whatever is, is something of a retcon so I, I think the idea is that the venom symbiote was kind of twisted 
twisted by both Eddie Brock's anger at Spider-Man over the whole Sin Eater thing. Uh, and it's the, the symbiote itself's jealousy and hurt feelings over being rejected. Then, and then you get Cletus Cassidy on top of that. And yeah. Okay. Interesting. Like the idea. So either way, we end on bad plumbing. <laughs> And with all that in mind, Kane, we should be looking at the web o rankings. Ranking on this web. All right, let me... So, I'm trying to see. There's some touch points here. We have 51 entries on our list, starting at Hooky, ending at Trouble. But at number 48, there is Cosmic Carnage, which is the only other Carnage story on this list. Do you think this round of Spider-Man in the web of Carnage is stronger or weaker? This, this, is, this is stronger than the Cosmic carnage i think yeah. uh it, it definitely plays or it pulls off the carnage gets attached to a hero angle a little bit stronger than cosmic carnage is like i said earlier cosmic carnage is almost entirely within the silver surfer's head um and dove into this weird history of you know galactus and the symbiotes um which is becoming more relevant now yep it's all coming back so uh, a shot up the list one that was mentioned in every friggin' issue is the final adventure at number 37. Do you feel this story is stronger or weaker than a tale about a giant web monster in Portland? I mean, you have to remember, I was much hotter on Final Final Adventure than you oh, are. It's scorched into my memory, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking around that area is where I would put this. Um, those first two issues was were really filled with so much wheel spinning for me that I... I would definitely dock a lot of points uh, since, you know, that that's how we, we do this points now. Um, but there were some good moments of solid tension. There were some fun moments in those last two issues. So I don't want to put it down toward the very, very bottom, but I think it's also one of our more flawed, flawed but good issues. Well, so and we did glaze over another weak point, which is that this story really starts and really hinges around this, uh, extra clone skeleton and that's not resolved in this story across right. four issues that continues to be something for a little bit longer and pete makes some headway but doesn't wrap it up and i think they realized they had this web of carnage part one through four and they had to wrap that up and then deal with this skeleton so. right I, I mean you could almost pull all of those skeleton parts out of this story because they didn't really do that much with the carnage thing itself you're saying it's not the, the only real of the story <laughs> The only real tie-in is that Peter was going to go talk to Trainer about the skeleton thing. And since Trainer was one of Ben's uh, support cast, he was one of the targets of Spider Carnage's rage. And also that because Peter was going to talk to Trainer, Spider Carnage wanted to kill Peter too. Anyway, um, so I'm I'm thinking I'm a, I'll put it below Final Adventure. I will. Um, How far below? Because right below Final Adventure, we're looking at Behind the Terror, which was Unlimited number eight and was that super weird uh, 90s story that for me was, mm-hmm. I, I definitely have to put this above Behind the Terror. Okay, yeah, that's fine. All right. Right there. Our new number 38. All right.
right. All right. And just a reminder, if you want to check out our web of rankings, check out the show notes. We finally have it live. So you can go back and look and see exactly where all the stories we've covered fall on that web of rankings. It's true. And no, check out the alley bet. (laughs) And we're done. Uh, That's it for today. We'd like to thank everyone for tuning into the show. If you'd like to show your support, get exclusive reviews of modern Spider-Man comics, commissioned artwork from Spider-Man artists past and present, as well as access to the members only section of our Slack community, check out the amazing Spider Talk Podcasting Network's Patreon. That's two shows to support for the price of one and twice the bonus content. Uh, You can check out the uh, show notes for links to that. Up next in our Carnage block, we are talking about Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 28. It counts. Uh, And then after that, the Carnage story Time Before, which once again crosses over several different titles. This time only two, actually. Peter Parker number 13, then Web Spinners 13 and 14. I think that's the first time we've gone into Web Spinners, so that'll be fun. Um, Once again, special thanks to the Ellie Badge for providing our theme song. If you want to listen to more from the Ellie Badge, you can once again check out those show notes. Uh, Show notes filled with cool stuff. Highly recommend them. And then, and until I get framed for killing my clone and then offer Matt to take a picture of me holding the corpse of the clone so that Matt can get the reward money and we can retire in the lap of luxury. Make mine untold. (laughs) 